Blog Talk Radio. Eastern Daylight Time. This is Off the Chain. I'm your host, Yvonne Mason, and that was one of my favorite songs in the entire world. Of course, it dates me, but it's one of those that is timeless. Stand by me. And that song was played, as all my songs are, for a very good reason, and we will get to that in a minute when I introduce my guest. But first, I want to welcome each and every one of you to the show tonight. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your show, not my show. I am just a facilitator. And with that being said, as of today, as of this morning, I have not done the podcast numbers, but just on this show, ladies and gentlemen, we have reached 133,089 listeners. That's in a two-year span. I don't even know of any... Fortune 500 company that has grown that big, that fast, in that short a time. And it's all because of y'all. Y'all share the show. 
you listen to the show, you talk about the show, you spread the news. And I am so, so grateful. In Australia, y'all are still my number one. Y'all still put yourselves on top. You're the biggest listening base we have, and I am so, so grateful. Now, there's two ways to get on the show, ladies and gentlemen. One, you can come on as a guest. We'll talk about anything, whether it's music, art, books, politics, religion, or you just want to chat. I am not above talking about anything. There's only one rule that I have, and that is if we agree to disagree, we do it respectfully and the thought of the other person's feelings because they're all opinions. And opinions are as important as anything else. Also, if you don't want to be on the show, but you want your product to get out there, I can do that too. For $10 for 30 days, I will run your ad on this show. You can send me an MP3. You can send me the wording, and I will um, read it on the show. And all you have to do is contact me at offthechainradio at yahoo.com. And with that being said, I want to start the show out with three of our sponsors. Diane Mode, who has been on this show several times, and because Australia is our number one listening base, they put her book at number one in Australia. So thank you again, Australia. But Diane Mode has a series called the Sam Holden series, and Sam Holden, who is our favorite vigilante, has returned. Third book in the series, Dog Bones, Sam's quest to avenge abused animals is threatened when the FBI comes after her on one side and the commissioner wants her dead on the other side. Will Sam's double double life be exposed? Will she be able to protect the animals, her friends, and herself? Check out Dog Bones by Diane Mode everywhere ebooks are sold. If you haven't yet started this series, ladies and gentlemen, you will want to start with Dog Gone by Diane Mote for free on Amazon. Second, J. Traveler Pelton, another author who's also been on this show, she has a new book out. It's called The Insight Conspiracy. It's also available on Amazon, both as a paperback and an ebook. And it starts a few years after the book Rebooting the Oberlands Left Off. Noel and Violet Oberlin spent their adult careers working special assignments for the U.S. government, which was a family tradition of service. After 40 years of espionage, all they wanted was a peaceful retirement in the country. And just as it seemed that that dream might happen, an unplanned series of events forced their overachieving adult children to return home to live with the folks. All four of them were driven out of their homes by different aspects of a government that had gone quite insane. Kai, a genetist, with Zanya, his wife. Gabriel, a bomb expert turned nurse with their grandson, little Gabe. Jasmine, a forensic psychiatrist married to Scott, a CPA, all joined their siblings still living at home, Micah, an autistic savant, and Serena, an artist. Together with the siblings, they uncover a secretive group of people led by the Ice Lady, whose main goal appears to be to take the Earth's population down from 7 million to 50 million within the next 10 years. Having infiltrated the governments of most developed countries and released an airborne anti-fertility virus, the Brotherhood succeeded in forcing a zero fertility rate. In the meantime, the economy of the U.S. tanked. The government sells all citizens who have debt into slavery within a system so harsh that civil disorder breaks out. Serenity Retreat Center is forced to become a slave labor camp, and the family is compelled into special service to save the center, their tribe, 
the United States, and humanity from extinction. If you thought retirement was simply about money, this book will change your mind. And today we got a new sponsor, ladies and gentlemen, and she has also been on this show, Just the Audio Bookworm. And she says, are you looking for a listen? Adopt. Don't shop for your next audiobook favorite. The Adopt and Audiobook program has new releases and audiobooks of every genre. All audiobooks are free to interested reviewers. Simply listen and share your thoughts. Audiobookwormpromotions.com forward slash adopt an audiobook. So there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. That's the beginning of our show. And with that, I want to welcome our guest. And bless her heart, she has been waiting so patiently to be on this show. And in her purpose in life is is one that I wholly, wholly support. Her name is Jenny Dew, and she is happily married to Larry of 40, for 41 years, and they are the parents of five children and have eight grandchildren. She is a parent leader in the Parent Advocacy Council of Utah for parents raising reactive attachment disordered children. After meeting a legislature advocate during one of her council meetings, she helped to create a house bill for Utah in the legislative session of 2016 to help the parents in her group, and it passed unanimously to become Utah Code. Jenny has served children in many ways throughout her life in the public school system and in her church group. She advocates for other parents who are experiencing their children's reactive behaviors to help find services for them. She has been involved with retreats to help the mothers in her group and has joined online support groups to learn about the supports needed. Jenny also runs the online support group for the Parent Advocacy Council for RAD. She has studied reactive attachment disorder for the last 16 years after finding out two of her adopted children were affected by the trauma related to brain injuries. Jenny and Larry serve at their local men's prison in Utah twice each month and have met many they believe have trauma-related disorders. Jenny is the president of Hope Shining Brightly, LLC, and Do Crew Books. She is the author of two children's books, The Grump on the Stump and Kyrie Sue, Our Bugaboo. She has 12 other children's books ready to be published. Jenny is also the author of Hope Shining Brightly. My experience with legal risk adoptions and holding the hope, my daughter's journey through a, through reactive attachment. Welcome, Jenny, to the show. And boy, you're one busy lady. <laughs> I, I am pretty busy at times. <laughs> well, um, hold on just a moment, Jenny. Okay. John, I'm on. A, I'm on. I'm on the show, baby. That's all right. Bye. I'm sorry, Jenny. Live live radio. That was my son on on the phone, and I'm on my um <laughs> my microphone. <laughs> it's kind of important for you to be reached right now with your husband and the condition he's in. So that's fine with me. <laughs> so, um, before we we get started about how busy you've been, let's educate our um audience on what reactive attachment disorder is, because I'm sure a lot of them are going, what in the world are these people talking about? Right, right. Well, when I first heard about RAD, I met a little boy that I was working in a school with, 
And what I understood about RAD back then, we call it RAD because reactive attachment disorder is kind of a long word. But when I met this little guy, Alan, he was just off the wall, you know, just running around terrorizing most of the classroom. And I asked the lady that was in charge of the the resource group I was in, I said, what's wrong with him? And she says, well, he's got reactive attachment disorder. It kind of means... These, the best ex- explanation I can give you, it's as children kind of born without a conscience. So that was my first idea of what RAD was all about. Um, but now I know you're the author of Terror Stories, and my family's actually lived terror stories with some of the <laughs> most misunderstood children who experienced some form of trauma in the first three years of their lives. And many people ask, when does a psychopath or sociopath become a psychopath or sociopath? I mean, a lot of scary books are about psychopaths and sociopaths. Yes, they but, are. But what are these people like as a child? Has anybody ever asked that? And I don't think we do. Now, before I go on, I want people to know that most reactive attachment disordered children do not become psychopaths because we are finding some evidence-based therapies to help a lot of these children but most of these children will choose to live alternative lives and have a hard time believing in society norms, which makes it really hard for the moms and dads that are bringing them up because they don't know how to to meet those kinds of needs. So there are a large amount of personality disorders caused from trauma. This is where the basic starts is um, borderline personality disorder and dissociative identity disorders are just two of the most misunderstood conditions of the human race. And gender identity confusion is another misunderstood condition people can judge inappropriately. And many of the children who suffer trauma in the earliest years of their lives can have numerous ways in which their personalities and their sexual preferences can be affected. And many of these children end up addicted to drugs or alcohol, They end up suicidal in prisons with sexually deviant behaviors. They can have problems with rage sessions that can last for hours. And they can have anxiety that can cause them to become very dangerous for the people around them. So so what causes reactive attachment disorder? I said it earlier, trauma. Trauma can be caused from being removed from a birth parent. It It can be from witnessing a frightening event or having a surgical procedure without being old enough to have the ability to understand pain or reason for, or the reason the doctors would cause that pain. You know, if a baby's laying there and a doctor's poking it full of needles and nobody can explain it, then that child is traumatized. And nobody can explain to them why the doctor's poking them with needles. So that can cause trauma. So any kind of traumatic event happens that happens in the first three years of life or even if, if the fetus can be forming, it can cause the developing neurons to snap or stop growing in the brain. And we're finding which areas of the brain are affected from trauma. And those areas are the limbic system, the prefrontal cortex, the amygdala, and they're, they're the most common areas to be affected by trauma. So that's kind of an overall quick... <laughs> to let people know what reactive attachment disorder is all about. Did that make sense to you? Oh, absolutely. And and as you're talking about this, I'm sitting here thinking about um, what the Catholic Church preaches, and that is give me a child that's 
till he's seven years old and he will be formed for life. And, and that is true in, in any area with mm-hmm. going back to rad, the, the formation of their mental, emotional and physical development is like you said, up to three to seven years old. You cannot undo that. Once that is set, it's, it's set for life and you almost cannot undo it. Right. Well, we're we're finding some pretty interesting things that are happening. A lot of parents in our group are coming together to try and find new resources, and things are starting to happen. I really believe we can make a difference in this world for these reactive attachment disordered children. Um, let me just tell you, um, if I can tell you about just two parts of the brain that we talk about a lot in our groups. The left frontal temporal lobe. It controls impulse and body sensations. And we're finding an overly active flow of electricity running through that area in most sex offenders. Did you know that? And so they've got a left frontal temporal lobe that is just being zapped with a bunch of electricity, and they can't think of anything but sex. And it's just very difficult for them to go through life without affecting other people with their sexual um, problems. Now, You add that, I'm just going to talk about the other part of the brain that we talk about a lot in our support groups. It's called the amygdala. And it controls, it's that little section down the back part of the brain that kind of connects to the back of the neck in there. Mm -hmm. And if you ever read a spooky story, you know, we like spooky stories. I loved Vincent Price. (laughs) (laughs) Now he's one of my favorites. (laughs) But if if you stop and think about it, when you're scared, you feel the hairs on the back of your neck actually rise. You just right. you get that, that feel. That's your amygdala. And it controls the flight, the fight, or the freeze. And so let's, let's imagine you're sitting in a campground and a bear walks into the campground, right? And if your amygdala is not registering the right emotions at the right time, now it can get you in a really dangerous situation with that bear. Because trauma confuses the amygdala. So when a bear walks into the campground, the child who has a brain affected by trauma will have the wrong reaction. Instead of running away, you know, they may run right into. <laughs> and so, <laughs> so if, they're, if they're having that problem, they don't know when to fight. They don't know when to run. And they, and they freeze at times they shouldn't. They just, they, they just freeze up on people. And so that can cause lots of dangerous situations, especially in the middle of a gang fight. And a lot of these kids end up in gangs. Mm-hmm. So we come across, this is what's going on in our world. Our prisons are filling with reactive attachment disordered children. That, And it's really sad because, um, you know, they just, they just get into that kind of <sighs> mode. They get into drugs. They, and, and, and these are things I can talk about later, but yeah, that's basically what we're, we're dealing with here. Well, let me ask you this. What made you get so involved into something that is so deep and so time consuming and so important because we still don't know what we don't know about the brain and, and, We even know less, I think, than we did in the 1950s when my brother was born. But we don't know a lot about the brain compared to 
everything that the brain is capable of doing. How did you get involved in all of this? Uh, it was a long process. I adopted two children um, from th- who had been through a lot of trauma. They had been um, placed in five different shelter homes before they came home to me. They had lived with um, a couple that said they were going to adopt them. And so there were all these breaks. There were so many breaks in their childhood from one caregiver to another caregiver. And every time they had one of those breaks, the little neurons in their brain were just kind of being popped. It was just popping these connections. And that's what happens when you have a child that that has been traumatized in life that they're relating to you and they they look like they're talking to you like a normal person would but inside their brain is just in this little war zone they really don't know how to you know how to join in to love join into wanting to please mom and dad and so they kind of become oppositional and they're really really hard <laughs> they have four hour rages um you can, I had to actually lay on the floor with my little boy while he was raging at one time for four straight hours, just telling him I loved him. It's going to be okay. You're going to get through this. But what happened, I found out their brain was in freeze. I mean, it went to that freeze. They got their anxiety so high that all of a sudden they were going off like a lightning bolt, and I was a, a mother not knowing what to do. <laughs> so. <laughs> Of course, I started reading every book I could find about why my children were behaving the way they they were. And I didn't realize at first they had rad. I didn't figure it out. I got my two at two and three years old. They came home together at the same time. And they were half brother and sister. And it just, you know, it takes a while to figure it all out, to, to think, what is going on here? Why aren't these children relating to me the way my other children did? And you eventually realize, okay, this is going to be a whole new, different parenting experience than I had with my first three. This is going to be totally unique and different. And so I had to learn how to parent completely different. When I thought I was a really successful parent, I thought I was one of the greatest, you know. My other kids were doing great. But I have Funny how no we get knocked down like that. Oh, boy, don't ever tell yourself you're good at something because they'll prove you wrong. <laughs> Those angels will come down and prove you wrong. <laughs> well, the, the thing is, the especially when, when one adopts children, one doesn't know the who, what, when, where, and how. You get bits and pieces, but the only people that really know the whole story is that birth family. Right, and, and and by the time it's filtered through four or five different lovely caseworkers, and I use that word very sarcastically. Um, <laughs> I understand. I understand. It, a lot of it, our families have been hurt. <laughs> it gets so watered down. Oh, these children are fine. You will love them. They're perfect little angels, and they're little terrors from hell. And it's not their fault. It's not their fault. That's the main thing I want to make clear. These are wonderful people, but they can turn out to be Helen Keller, uh, a humanitarian, or they can turn out to be Ted Bundy, the scary yes. murdering guy, you know. Exactly. So it just depends on how soon we can get these kids into the appropriate evidence-based therapies to help them. And that's why I'm into this work. I'm I'm actually 
um, trying to create a village. This is, this is what I'm out to do, and I would love to change the world for these kids and these prison guys because I happen to love those guys I work with at the prison. <laughs> um, I, I really have this plan to create a village uh, because with reactive attachment disorder, it's not just one therapy. It's going to take five or six different therapies all together at the same time to pull these kids through to a place where we can reconnect some of those neurons. We can't reconnect all of them, but we're learning the brain is, is what they call, they say it's got plasticity to it, uh-huh. which means it can be molded and developed all the way through life. They're, they're starting to find out. It doesn't stop as early as you thought earlier in this conversation. It can actually change if we get them the appropriate therapies, but which therapies work, right? It's not going to be cognitive. It's not going to be every, therapy. And not every therapy works for every child because children right. are not cookie cutters. What works right. for one may not work for the other one. Exactly. And, you know, you think about it, it would be like if some therapies, cognitive therapy will not work for these kids, and that's what they're going to try on them the very first thing. It only confuses things more, makes the kids harder to deal with if they do the wrong therapy. I found that out the hard way. But I'd go in, and a therapist would talk to my children. It's like trying to talk somebody out of the disease of cancer. How do you talk a child out of cancer? You don't. Mm -mm. But what we found out and what I found along the way that really helped my children the most, and I think my kids are doing tremendously well compared to some of the other kids who never got the therapies, but um, instead of doing cognitive therapy, I had to think outside the box a lot. And we decided, um, we decided to start using equestrian therapy, horse therapy, where, you know, the kid would go out and brush the horse and sit on the horse in different positions and, and learn to trust the horse. And then they had to kind of help guide the horse at the end, by the end of the therapy, which was kind of helping them feel like, oh, I'm in charge of teaching the horse how to trust because this is what the kids have a hard time doing is learning how to trust. If they're trying to teach a horse how to trust, they're going, hey, wait a minute. <laughs> Why am I trying to teach this horse how to trust when, when I can't? So that's one really good therapy is equestrian therapy. Neural feedback, it's an EEG processing um, system that they're coming out with. We're finding out that's helping a lot of the reconnective, helping, well, it doesn't reconnect the tissues, but it actually exercises the brain in certain areas, at the weaker parts of the brain, and strengthens them, and then tries to bring the strength down in the other areas of the brain and make it a little weaker if it's over, you know, like the ones I was talking about on the mm-hmm. um, temporal lobe. If we can lower that electricity, they don't think about sex all day long, and it helps. And then there's occupational therapy, which is exercises, um, EMDR, and that's an interesting one. It's E stands for I movement, desensitization, and reprocessing. And that really helps people overcome um, rape. It, it kind of helps them with rape recovery, psychological abuses from past traumas or neglect. It can kind of help them through, like, abandonment experiences or excessive ang- anger sessions that they go through. So that's a lot of people I've talked to, even some of the mothers in my group, which are traumatized by the time they raise these kids. I've got to tell you that. Yeah, really? And it's, they need and to it's go in therapy themselves. 
No, yeah, it's, it's not it's, secondary it's, trauma. They ca- try to tell you it's secondary trauma. No, it's no. constant trauma. Our mothers are put through the ringer. <laughs> they really are, the, and it, they come out. I, I would, I would venture. Well, I would venture to say that that the mothers of these children have PTSD themselves. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. So that's why we do the retreats for the moms because we've got to get them the help they need so that they can continue going home to that child. It's a very difficult, very very difficult job. So you you were talking about uh, thinking outside of the box, and and before the show I told you about my brother. Well. He for for many many years he he could not talk up until he was about five or six years old he couldn't talk because his the brain was short circuited and so my mother had to think outside of the box and talk to him with abstract language like we talk to our pets because he did not have cognitive abilities. Because he couldn't talk and he didn't understand the spoken word. Right, right. And this is what our parents have to do. They have to learn. Um, how, well, if a child's raging for four hours, the first thing they have to learn is how to calm the child down to where they can actually get the child to hear you. Because if they're raging, they can punch holes in your walls. <laughs> you know, it, it's just very difficult to to parent these children. And you do have to to learn a lot of good parenting techniques, loving parenting techniques. You have to be very patient, very calm. While the child is spitting in your face and pulling your hair, you have to remain calm. You have to talk the child down because to scream at the child or to spank the child is only going to add to the frustration and the anxiety the child is already having, and their brain's already locked into rage. So you can't. You have to be very careful about the way you raise these children, and so we have to teach the parents. And most parents are just—they have no idea what they walked into. You know, DCFS throws the kid in your house. Here you go, <laughs> and they have no idea what's around the corner or what they're walking into. And this is what we've got to do: prepare the families, get the children at least a year worth of therapies before they're even placed into a family. Is what my idea is, <laughs> because. Parents can't be trained as quickly as these children need to be trained. And you have to be willing for the long haul. And, again, if you don't know the background of that child, as my granddaddy used to say, that's like getting a pig in a poke. You have no idea what you're getting. It's right. surprise. Oh, and you know, a, I had one like child. It's not like a box of chocolates either. Right. One child kept checking under the mattress, under the bed mattress, and I kept saying, what are you looking for? Well, that's where they keep the guns. I had no idea what this child had been through, you know. Oh, my I just, word. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is what parents are dealing with. There's, um, there's also satanic ritual things that can go on before the children come to your homes. There's... Um, so many things, which, which you know, you find out along the way that your child is distributing a certain behavior, and you go to a therapist and say, well, this is what this child's doing, and the therapist sits you down and says, now, now try to relax and stay calm. Okay, I think your child's been affected by um, satanic ritual abuse. I, I think 
your child saw that happen and they're just acting it out in front of you. And boy, if your heart doesn't stop at that point in time, I tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this is Off the Chain. I'm your host, Yvonne Mason, with my guest, author and child advocate, Jenny Dew. We will be right back to continue this most interesting conversation about RAD. Horses See Ghosts, a new poetry book by Gannat Wise. It's been called Poetry for the Rest of Us. Amazon. Do you have cougars on your porch swing? Are horses your new best friend? Do your nicest shoes get buried knee-deep in snow as your toes turn blue? Are you bothered by wolves at your woodpile? No, not that kind of wolf. Join wildlife artist and author Nancy Quinn and her family as they discover an exciting new life in Go West, Young Woman, a true Montana adventure, available online and in bookstores. Or visit quinnwildlifeart.com for a personalized signed copy. Critics agree, it's a hoot. A struggling city, its beloved baseball team, an antique camera, and photos from that camera that bear an image from the pit of hell, an entity only a select few can see. Journalism professor Buddy Cullen is determined to track this demon down. But who is the hunter and who is the prey? And who will be the next target of mankind's mortal foe? Mortal Foe, available at Amazon.com. Hi, this is Winona and Jade inviting you to join us and our wonderful guests on the And I Thought Women's Cave podcast on Blog Talk Radio to learn more about our books, the And I Thought series, and The Misfit Guides. They're available on Amazon.com and BarnesandNobles.com. Or just to see what your ladies are up to, you can find all of that out on www.andwethought.com. So peace and love from Winona and Jade and our books. <laughs> You're so silly. You silly. Remember Did you like that? That's funny. <laughs> Remember to visit us at andwethought.com. The year, 1888. The place, London's East End. Dead and mutilated bodies are popping up all over, from Stamford to Whitechapel. Jack the Ripper is leaving his mark and the city's on edge. Yvonne Mason is back with a tale of murder and millinery. The Rhodes Hat Factory is booming while the body count rises. Why now? How are these hats connected? Has the Hatter gone mad? Mad Hatter from Yvonne Mason. Available now on Amazon.com. And we are back, ladies and gentlemen. This is Off the Chain. I'm your host, Yvonne Mason, with my guest, author and children's advocate, Jenny Dew. And we are talking about RAD, which is short for Reactive Attachment Disorder. And, Jenny, before the break, we were talking about um, parents and, and sometimes getting these children and not understanding the backstory because... We know how the government is. They like to hide things. But even someone's 
own biological child can have this disorder and may not even be aware of it. Is that that is correct, right? That is correct. Yes, it doesn't only happen to children who are adopted and we don't know where they came from or what their backgrounds are. It can happen to a lot of people with their own biological children. There can be genetics in certain families that can actually um, cause reactive attachment from brain injuries. It could be a lack of oxygen in their earliest years during birth. It could be um, maybe a trauma that the birth mother suffered while the child was, was developing in her womb. So there's so many different ways RAD can happen. It's not just for adopted children who have been through a lot of trauma. It can happen in countries where war is going on and the children are seeing things happening all around them and they don't know how to deal with that. And so, yes, it can happen, you know, if a child is walking down the streets and sees somebody hit by a car in, or just is in a stroller and looks over. I mean, it's just we never know what traumas can cause reactive attachment disorder. Now, there are two types. There is inhibited and there's uninhibited. What is the difference in, in inhibited and uninhibited? Okay. The inhibited, um, and this is interesting because I had two children with RAD, and one was inhibited and the other one was uninhibited. <laughs> so here it goes. Okay. Um, so the inhibited child um, would would look like the child cannot initiate or respond appropriately um, to the interactions with others often scowling or scaring other children. And so I had the one child that didn't want anything to do with people, just didn't like being around people, um, and, and she was very um, inhibited, kind of kept to herself and, and did everything from the inside. The other child was disinhibited and would run around through a crowd indiscriminately loving up to total strangers giving inappropriate hugs, sitting on strangers' laps. And, you know, the, the disinhibited ones are very charming. They're experts at manipulating others. I would say Ted Bundy was disinhibited, rad. <laughs> I, would, I would double bet you. Um, they can be very talented and successful in elementary schools, but then by the time they get to middle school, the society pressures will start to shut them down. Because these kids, all of these rad kids, are usually about eight years younger emotionally than their peers. They, they may be able to look like they're as old as their peers. They may be um, running around laughing and giggling and acting like they're totally, everything's okay in their world with their peers. But like I said, they're inside their head fighting a war nobody knows is going on. And so when the pressures of junior high school come, these kids shut down. That's when the drug abuse starts. That's when the sexual acting out starts. Um, and so you're, all these elementary school teachers who are seeing the, the child with the disinhibited rad, they're putting them up on the stage as the MC of the fourth grade program because the kid can memorize things like so quickly because they aren't really focused on the emotional things that are going on around them. So very quick learners in elementary school because they're learning how to manipulate and have a good time seeing if they can get people to jump through their hoops. But by middle school, they are 
they're basically not knowing how to handle middle school. It's, it's all of a sudden too much, too much pressure, too much anxiety. The crowds start to overwhelm them. Walking through the halls can be overwhelming and very frightening. And this is why, you know, the people who are selling drugs are probably a little bit on the rad side, too, and they recognize that. So they see the kid that's struggling. That's the first one they're going to walk up and offer the pills to. So these kids have a really tough life ahead of them. And the parents do, too, because mom and dad don't know what's going on. They think the kids are at school and everything's fine. <laughs> Come to find out years down the line, well, when did you take that first pill? Oh, wow, back in fourth grade. <laughs> and all of a sudden you think, wow, I thought I was a really good mom. I really thought I knew what was going on. But they're very good at hiding what's happening in their lives. And and they're also very good at believing their own lies too, are they not? Um okay, can you repeat that again? They're, I said they're also very good at believing their own lies. Oh the, Oh, absolutely. Yeah, because well and funny thing is, sometimes they're lying and sometimes they're switching between a, a developed personality inside their heads that they've developed and and they can develop two or three or four different personalities. They used to call it multiple personality disorder. Nowadays they call it dissociative identity disorder. And so basically they – what the only way I can explain it, one of my children did have it and does have it. <laughs> they, they split into personalities. They split their emotions into personalities, and then they label them with a, a, a gender. And so the, the child that looks like they're one person one second and another person the other second, they are. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. They, they get into a situation they don't know how to handle, so I'm going to run to my other personality that knows how to handle it. Now, I had a child that was very unusual. The therapist told me um, this child could group the personalities in a circle and talk to them. Most people who personalities apart don't even know about the other personalities. This child could go in and, and discuss which personality should come out in what situation, which was amazing to me because it's actually um, a very successful person now, doing really well now. Um, and, and I think, you know, any day it can change, but at this point in time, this child is making it and doing very well in life, and I'm very, very pleased. <laughs> so I can't ask for too much more because, you know, this was a child that really struggled throughout, throughout the whole childhood and is working in a job and is bringing home a paycheck, has a new car. You know, most rad kids don't get this, this well, right. do this well, but uh, we, got, we got this child a lot of therapy. <laughs> and, a lot of and, and, and what could, people don't realize is that child, something could traumatize that child and it would revert back because that's its safe zone. Yes, it depends on what traumas could happen. And so, yes, I, I do always worry about that. It's just one of those things you always worry about with your children, that if, if there's something that happens that's going to throw a, a reversion, you you just never know. And suicide can be just so so quick, and it's an impulse. And if their left temporal lobe is is jumping and running with impulsivity, 
and they're having a bad time, that impulse moment, they're gone. They're just gone. We lose a lot of these kids in our support groups. We have a lot of suicides, a lot of drug overdoses, a lot of prisons, uh, prison sentences. So, yeah, I would really like to get people to hear what we're talking about here so that we can get these villages while the kids are still young, get them the therapies they need before they have to go out in the world and start competing with normal people. I mean, well, we call them neurotypical, not normal. <laughs> Nobody's normal. Yeah, so if what, if what is, if what is uh, normal to the spider is chaos to the fly, so being normal <laughs> is relative to the situation. Yeah, and you know what? Just saying that chaos, and that just reminded me when you said chaos to the fly, these children, when they're born into chaos, that's all they know how to create. And so to them, that's what life is. It's chaos. So they enter a loving family, a nurturing family. They don't know how to experience love and nurturing. To them, it feels like control. It feels smothering. It scares the heck out of them. And before you know it, they're off and running um, just to try and create as much chaos within that family as they possibly can. Not only do they do that, the best way to create chaos is to get mom and dad to divorce, to get dad Mm -hmm. not trust mom to get mom not to trust dad a lot of marriages break up in these kinds of situations a lot of our marriages have broken up my husband and I wow I'm really proud of us (laughs) we're we're still together you know and and we there are times we don't we don't can't even talk about what happened to us in the past with the kids because it can cause us to revert (laughs) so we just keep plugging forward and I think that's what all parents have to do in these situations well, would it be fair to say that you could also throw in schizophrenia into that mix because with schizophrenics, they also disassociate. They listen uh-huh. to the voices in their heads, and they can also create chaos when opportunity presents itself. Absolutely. I, if I told you, one of the ways you can figure out um, if your child might have read (laughs) this is just you could if you suspect it there are going to be you'll go to a different therapist down the line and different therapist and then another one and another one and every one of them will diagnose that child with a different thing you know it's red i mean just go ahead and put your thumb on it it's going to be reactive attachment disorder because it can cause so many different personality disorders and if you see a child that has Oh, a lot of diagnoses from a lot of different people. That child has reactive attachment disorder. I can double bet you. Well, what what happens, and, and this is just from my observation down through the years, is therapists, God love them, specialize like doctors in one area. And so when little Johnny comes to see them, if they have say five out of the 10 on their scale, all of a sudden, yeah, they're right there in the middle. So it's very possible they have X, Y, Z. And, 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 and they start treating them for that one thing and they don't take the entire person. They don't take the entire child. And this is the thing I used to fight with my husband's doctors all the time. I would go to the heart doctor and the heart doctor said, we're going to do this and this and this. And I, but wait, you can't because he has this and this and this. And, and the heart doctor says, well, I only look at this. I said, you can't. I have to look at the entire man. <laughs> so we right. got to yeah. take 
you have to be the full picture. Right. <laughs> because if, if, if you don't, it's like looking through a glass darkly. You cannot, in all good consciousness, help that person get better because you're only treating one symptom. You're not treating the entire illness. Right, right. Now, I've got to tell you about this adverse childhood experience study that is going on because anybody that would like to look that up, Google it. It's the ACEs study. It's about adverse childhood experiences and what that can relate to your health problems as you become an adult. There's a bunch of us probably walking around with childhood health-related problems that we aren't even aware of. But they, they are finding out by if you go take that test, if you've got more than four you know, problems from that test, you're going to have more health problems as you advance into your older years. And so they're finding out it's causing all these health problems for, there's a lot of us walking around probably that were traumatized <laughs> in one way or another that have got pretty high scores. And the higher your score is, the more you're going to have cancers. You know, it can even, it can cause all kinds of things, skeletal structure problems. You just think about it. It's like Agent Orange. <laughs> it can just have all, all kinds of effects on your body. It's a pandemic. It's a pandemic. Yeah. Yeah, it well, really and, is. And, and and the thing is, for years and years and years and years, sadly, people said, oh, they're just being children, or boys will be boys, or she, she just comes from the wrong side of the tracks, or first one excuse and then the other. So we raised these entire generations of children who became the future, who brought all this with them into the future and like you said they they rise to the top but then they commit suicide because something sends them back down to the past or they wind up homeless on the streets or they wind up serial killers or they wind up pedophiles or rapists or overdosing overdosing or impulse crime committers and it's because nobody stopped to say we don't know what we don't know and there is a reason why these things happen well you know, I've lived with this for over 20 years, and I still don't know it all. And I don't think any therapist out there does know it all. But, you know, we've got people in prisons. I, as my husband and I come out of the prison every, well, we go over twice a month. When we come away from there, we say, oh, that one had rad. <laughs> that one's definitely <laughs> has rad, you know. And we adore these guys. They're sweet as buttons. We just think the world of them. But that they, you know, we see it all over the place in our prisons. Now, if we get these kids the help when they're in their youngest years, we aren't going to be feeding prison people from 18 years old till they die. It'd just be better to get them on the, you know, use those prison monies in a better way and start, them, start by helping. Isn't everything else preventative medicine? I've always I thought, don't, you know, our teeth, preventative medicine. You know, you go to the doctor, they, and your blood pressure, let's do preventative. Well, why not do preventative on rad kids? Why because can't you can't that? see it. Because you can't see it. You can't touch it. You can't right. explain it. So it, it's like mental health used to be. You didn't talk about having emotional or mental health issues because that you just didn't discuss it. You didn't right. get help right. for it. And and. The, the mental health community didn't really understand how to deal with someone with those issues. 
And it's the right. same thing today. We fear that which we don't understand. Well, we don't understand the brain, so we're just going to, like I said, we're just going to treat one or two of the symptoms mm-hmm. and then not even explain away the rest of it, just ignore it. And if they wind up in prison or dead, so what? You know, they were just bad right. seed. Right. I do believe that people can be born inherently evil. I've seen it too many times in my lifetime. But I also think that some people are born mentally ill that need that help, and they can't explain it right. because they don't understand it. And they I think don't. that, and 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 they're brilliant. They're absolutely oh, brilliant. They they are brilliant. I mean, if you, <laughs> I keep going back to Ted Bundy. I read a lot of books about him because I think I met him in person once. <laughs> I think there I think I was go. one of his little girls on his chart. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I I honestly believe I did meet him. <laughs> so I I constantly thought about what happened to him. I I wish we would have known more about his childhood story, but you don't. There's there's always going to be the mystery there. And so we just have to remember what we're trying to do for these kids. So, But that's the main reason I write my children's books. <laughs> I, I write my children's books because The Grump on the Stump was actually about my reactive attachment disorder daughter. And the, and she I asked her permission to write it, and she has been very supportive about me selling this book. And and it's a comical book. We laugh about the cute things that's in there, how this little grumpy little girl gets so ornery. And then my second book's Kairi Suar Bugaboo, and it's about my granddaughter and her emotions about getting a new little sister when her mom's expecting. So <laughs> I'm I'm trying to write children's books, and I've got this most wonderful um, illustrator, David Nimitz. He loves to draw my books, and we're waiting to see if our first two books will sell. So, that, And they all have to do with teaching children about their emotions. I thought, you know, kids aren't really taught about, why am I feeling this way? And so all True. of my titles have to do with, with kids' emotions, you know. And so that's what we're trying to do. Like there's one, Size Me Up Nick is about a little boy that decides to judge everybody because somebody roughs him up a little bit. So, <laughs> And he gets to the end of the book and realizes he doesn't want to judge people anymore because he realizes he's hurting their feelings but i've got 11 more books in line david my he's david is a fantastic guy he worked for disney for a while and hannah barbera he's he's an amazing artist so we're just waiting and trying to get ready to get these books out there so we can start this village is what we're hoping well, for you're not going to believe it but our hours almost up I believe it. (laughs) (laughs) So tell the folks where they can go and and learn about RAD, get your books, where you can be found, because this is important, because I know people are going to have questions, so... Tell all the folks well, where you can get my village up and going. I got to get them to buy my books. So <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but what they can do to learn about reactive attachment disorder, go to Facebook and look up the parent. It's just parent. Advocacy Council dash RAD. So Parent Advocacy Council dash RAD. Anybody can join in. I try to put news articles on there all the time so we can teach people more about RAD. And my books, you can go to Amazon and order them from Amazon. And the only two I've got out so far is The Grump on the Stump. And Kyrie Sue, our bugaboo, and Kyrie is spelled K-Y-R-E-E, Kyrie Sue, our bugaboo. And um, basically, that's where you can get my books on Amazon. And 
I really appreciate you taking the time to listen and about this problem. I hope we can get these people the help they need. I, I I think we will, and I appreciate you coming on the show. And don't hang up when the show goes dark because I got some things for you. But I would like to invite you to come back next year and let's pick up this conversation and keep educating people. Because if we can educate one parent or say one child, we have saved a thread of our. Yes, yes. And if I get this village up and started, that would be fantastic. And I would love to talk to you again. Okay. So you heard it first here, ladies and gentlemen. Her name is Jenny Dew, J-E-N-N-Y-D-E-W, and her children's books are absolutely marvelous. She also has a blog called Granny Dew's Radical, R-A-D-I-C-A-L. I dare you to go check it out. It is the cutest thing you've ever seen in your life. I stumbled across it and I couldn't get out of it because I just kept reading and reading and reading. She does a marvelous job. You are welcome. (laughs) So ladies and gentlemen, tomorrow night we will return with our guest, Allison Donahue. It is also a new guest to the show. So tune in with us tomorrow night at 8 o'clock Eastern Daylight Time. And and there's a couple of things y'all always know. I leave you with this because I believe in it. People will forget what you look like. They will forget your name. They'll even forget what you're wearing. But they will never, ever, ever forget how you make them feel. And as Jenny says, it takes a village. We're all on a journey. We all have something wrong with us. None of us are perfect, ladies and gentlemen. And and sometimes the journey that we're on is very, very traumatic, especially children, because children don't ask to be brought into this world. Some of them are destroyed before they're ever brought into this world, which people are, again, destroying the fabric of our future. That is for another day. But children do not understand what's going on in their little heads. So be kind to children, no matter how much you want to be kind to children, because they will remember how you made them feel. If you want to achieve greatness, ladies and gentlemen, do not go out and ask permission because no one will give it to you. Just go out and do it. Encourage your children to achieve greatness because your children are our future. When we lose one child, we lose a thread to the fabric of our future that we can never get back. We lose a future astronaut, a future doctor, a future artist, a future musician, a future teacher, a future mother, father, rocket scientist, president, senator, doctor, lawyer, Indian chief. When we lose one child, we can never get that thing back because it's gone forever. So encourage your children to be great. You go out and achieve greatness and let your children learn by your example. here for educating us in RAD. If you think that your child or someone you know has RAD, please go and research it. Hook up with Jenny on Facebook and learn. Educate yourself. Until tomorrow night at 8 o'clock Eastern Daylight Time when we return This is Off the Chain. I'm your host, Yvonne Mason, with my guest, Jenny Dew, and we wish you all the best of evenings. And remember, our children are our future.
We cannot do without them. They are the most important things in our lives. So return with us tomorrow night at 8 o'clock Eastern Daylight Time when we come back to Up the Chain. Okay, we're off the air, but everything we'll say is going to show up in the archive part of the show. But I wanted to tell you that when we get off from here and this thing archives, I'm going to put the link on my page and I'm going to tag you in it. Take this show and put it everywhere that you have social media, on your blog, on all your websites, in your groups, have your network, um, share it. Tomorrow, when I put it up on the podcast that I put it up on, because this thing is now heard on iTunes and YouTube, podcast.com, Podcast Garden, SoundCloud, Spreaker, um, TuneIn Radio, FM.com, iHeartRadio, Reverb Nation, and some other off-the-wall podcasts that third parties put it up on. So it's heard in over 200 countries with 200,000-plus listeners. So Wow. Yeah, it's it's a big show. And this is going to be great because we really need to spread this news. The parents are just falling apart over here and they need help. (laughs) I appreciate you doing this show. No problem. So what I will do is tonight when this thing archives, I'll put it on my page. I will tag you in it, take it and spread it, spread it with all your network. Then tomorrow when I put it up on all the podcasts I put it up on, I will also put those links on my page, tag you in it, and you can spread those links as well because, trust me, it will get airtime everywhere. Oh, thank you. Thank you. That's what the parents are hoping for. (laughs) I never thought I would be in this position to do this. To tell you the truth, I was a very shy little girl. (laughs) I never (laughs) thought I'd write books. I never thought I'd raise those kids. (laughs) And I never thought I'd do a TED Talk. They had me do a TED Talk, and I said, are you kidding me? (laughs) I don't know how to do this. (laughs) We all have have a purpose. We just don't always know what it is. That's so crazy, isn't it? But I thought, well, I'm close to death anyway, so if nobody likes what I'm doing, too bad for them. (laughs) Exactly. We reached that age. age. Yeah, you do. I don't care what people think after a while. (laughs) No, you don't. What I'm thinking is when I bring you back, maybe you could bring one of your mothers on board too, and and we could have a conversation with her as well as you, and 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 get some even some more personal exposure. Oh, I would love that. I've got. Boy, I tell you, I'm in. I, I've crossed the country. I've got 236 people across the country in my group. There's another lady that's got one just in a church group that's about 100 people. So we, are, you know, these ladies are starting to filter out and get to know each other. And so there's about five ladies that are excellent parents that that are speaking up and starting to speak up for the group. So I've got a few. So you okay. let me know whenever you need somebody, and I, I'm sure they would come talk to you. All right, we'll we'll try to set that up. I'm going to put you in my February calendar. I'll send you some dates in a couple of days, and, okay. and you can bring bring along bring along one or two mothers, and and we'll All we'll right. just have a roundtable here on the show. That would be amazing. I, I'm already thinking of two or three I know of already. All right. See how this works? It works. And, and say, share this show with all of them, too, so that they can go and put it on their network. And you know how it's like a ripple in the water. It just goes and goes and goes and goes. And pretty soon it reaches all around the world. 
You know what? I'm pretty sure we've got a pretty good staff of people waiting to hear this. So, and, and the show, I think what we talked about and what you pulled out of that conversation was perfect to get people kind of going, hey, that's an interesting thing to hear about. There so, you go. That's why we'll I do it the way I do going. it. <laughs> I'm I do so proud of it. Thank you. You just keep going. It, it just takes that determination to keep going. So I really appreciate you. Thank you so much. You are welcome, and, and thank your husband for letting you spend an hour with me and not taking you away from him, because I know your time is precious, and I really, really appreciate it. Well, and I appreciate the time you took from your sweetheart. So you go hold his hand and have a good night. You too, sweetheart. Talk to you later. Hey, thank you. Bye-bye. Uh, bye-bye. Bye-bye.